We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. You can follow us on the tweet machine, at Mike Dugar, as M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I spelled it for you guys this time. I want to make sure I do that every few episodes, you know, so I'm not just, like, shouting out that I'm verified uh, on Twitter. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd-206. All right, we have the third and final installment of our NFC West Roundup series. Uh, shout out to Matt Barrows on our first episode who covers the San Francisco 49ers. Shout out to Jordan Rodriguez on our second episode covers the LA Rams for The Athletic. And our third guest to finish it off is Kat Fitzgerald. She covers the Arizona Cardinals and the Phoenix Suns every now and again uh, for the Arizona Republic. The real Fitzgerald is in the house. What's up? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Oh man, thank you. Thank you for kicking it with us. Nice to see your face. We haven't had you on our video portion of the show yet, so it's know, very nice to see you. Uh, if you're listening on the audio versions right now, just stop. Go to our YouTube channel, Seahawks Man to Man, so you can uh, see all of our beautiful faces. Are you ready to talk some Arizona Cardinals? I feel like no one has talked about them since the J.J. Watt signing. Which there was a lot to talk about right then. So, you know, just got my good March Cardinals news out <laughs> of my system. And now I've had a little time to readjust. So, Yeah. Um, I want to first, before we get into any players, I want to talk about like the arms race between head coaches in the NFC West with Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury. And I don't know how to title it necessarily, but I feel like it's who has the nicest slash biggest house. Like, is that how I should characterize this? And I, I feel like Sean is winning since the draft. Where are you on this like tightly contested battle? So this is tough to me, and I think it'll be helpful when Pro Football Focus eventually adds in this really important statistic. But <laughs> what stood out to me the most when kind of the first year when we saw both of these houses that looked maybe a little too much like each other, I think the grass to concrete ratio of Sean McVay's backyard is way off. Um, too much concrete, you want more grass in there, um, unless it's an environmental thing and he's trying to save water, which respect, but I... That wasn't my guess. Um, it just felt like big, like concrete blocks everywhere and like a weird grid system. Um, 
but Cliff's got a lot more like that green grass in Arizona. That's, that's when you know you're important. Um, <laughs> I just have gravel at my apartment. So like certainly can't relate, but you know, I think that's where Cliff holds the slight edge there. Um, mountains, beach views, both really nice. So that's, I think you really got to look at the backyard setup. I, this is just such a, uh, I love the peek into like how weird the NFC uh, West coaches seem to be like, they are pretty unique. Like I think we've seen two of the four of them with their shirts off in the last like few years. And I think I mean, we're three out of four. Have we, who, did Cliff take his off too? Or maybe I just felt that. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's at least half. So that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's more than any other division. I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah. Dan Campbell of the lions is probably going to show up to a press conference shirtless at some point. I mean, he's, he's that type of wacky dude, but yeah, Pete took his shirt off where he took DK. Um, and then Sean, what took his off this last draft and hopped into his pool. Is that what that was? As one does. Um, and yeah, for Campbell, I think that's probably not going to be till December and it's going to be like a, I'm a tough <laughs> guy with my shirt off in Detroit in December versus these guys are just kind of like, it's just based off vibes alone. There's no football reason behind it, which, um, you know, to each their own. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't knock it. Sense. I mean, me and Chris were playing uh, basketball together uh, yesterday. We both had, uh, he had his shirt off. I had mine. Shockingly, had mine on. Mike yeah. is always with his shirt off. It will let yeah. you know now. This was surprising. I was shocked that I was the first one because this man don't ever wear a shirt. I d- okay. Well, All right. He's ready. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. We could be NFC West uh, uh, coaches with our uh, <laughs> shirt uh, behavior or lack of a shirt. Uh, all right, let's let's get into a little football uh, now here. On a scale of one to Russell Wilson on a stretcher, how afraid should Seahawks fans be of 50-year-old J.J. Watt lining up opposite Chandler Jones in 2021? Oh, a fascinating scale. Um <laughs> In that, I really, I don't know where the numbers go for it, but I, I think that's kind of the big question is, what can J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones do, both a little older, but both healthy? Um, it's not a combination of people I would want to line up against, um, mm. though I recognize NFL quarterbacks are usually at a slightly different level than I am. Um, but I think that's what's going to be really fascinating to see about this Cardinals defense is, you know, without Chandler Jones last year when he was injured, they still found ways to get that pass rush going. And, you know, that's nice when you can still make it happen, but to have two guys of that caliber just at your disposal, I would say Seahawks fans could be a little nervous about that. What version of, well, because from afar, it looks like based on some of these moves, the Arizona car, like Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury don't really know what year it is. Like you can assume that they don't. Um, So what version of JJ Watt do the Cardinals think they're getting? So first of all, to me, I found that, again, really refreshing where as someone who turns 30 this year, I was like, okay, there's life after 30. Like the Cardinals (laughs) are proving it to the world. They signed three guys, all like 31, 32, 33 within this span. So, you know, I think there is kind of that balance of we want this veteran leadership, but at what cost on the field? But I don't think they believe there's going to be a drop off. Um, we haven't really seen much of JJ Watt yet. The Cardinals mini camps coming up, but he was out there getting reps in on offense. So <laughs> I think he's got that energy. Um, you know, he, the chance to start somewhere over, I think is going to recharge him in a bunch of ways. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that will be a bigger factor than just kind of when you see guys age on a piece of paper. Do you think he could be a double digit sack guy at his age? 
I, I think he could, but it's also going to depend on how they spread it out across this defense. So um, I think it's helpful that neither him nor Chandler have to be the guy when they mm-hmm. can kind of go between each other um, and, you know, across the defense as well. Thoughts and prayers to Russell Wilson. That's not – no matter how old those guys are, that's just still not a great combo, though. I do think it is funny that they've got probably, what, the two best pass rushers from the 2011 and 2012 drafts. Insane. In 2021, though. Like, what what year they think it is. Uh, Speaking of uh, acquiring older guys from other drafts, uh, let's talk about A.J. Green for a little bit. I saw – I've made fun of the Arizona Cardinals tweet (laughs) from their official account, like, saying, who are you going to double team when they have D-Hop and A.J. Green? And I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Who was double teaming AJ Green in in 2021? So like, it's been rough for him. Has Steve Kime actually seen recent footage of AJ Green? <laughs> I don't know that he's the one to send the tweets, but I know Steve Kime is always very confident in the moves he does. Um, you know whether that translates immediately to how they do on the field is a slightly different story. But yeah, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm. I'm probably double teaming Hopkins first. Um, I found it interesting too, kind of when you look at what they're doing with the receiver room, given they had a bunch of young guys that they're still trying to figure out a little bit. Um, At this point, Larry Fitzgerald seems to be focusing on other ventures in his life, like part owner of the Phoenix Suns who doing pretty well. So like shouts out to him on that venture. Um, But I think realizing like, okay, let's still, just get an old guy in here. I don't know if it's kind of a checklist or something like that. Like, oh yes, every wide receiver room has, you know, your token old guy, DeAndre Hopkins, and then eight younger players who are still trying to figure out. Um, it seems to be the agenda, or not the agenda, the formula they followed. What? How good does? How much better does AJ actually make the receiver room? Like, this is in 2015. So, like, what is what does AJ actually bring in 2021? To me, some of that is just how they use any of them. Um, I And I think when you start with Hopkins last year, it felt kind of like a, a weekly ritual of Cliff Kingsbury being like, yeah, we've got to get DeAndre Hopkins involved better. Um, obviously, he put up some really strong numbers, but when you look at some of those late season losses where, you know, they just didn't get um, the offense going, if you can't get Hopkins going right away, that doesn't make me optimistic that Green will make an impact immediately. Uh, but I think it kind of opens up the field a little bit of having an option. Um, again, even if it's not a, a 2015 version. You mentioned the young guys, and there's so many of them, but one stands out, and that's Rondell Moore. I'm sure the Seahawks were looking to get this talented wide receiver, but they ultimately went with Eskridge. Mike, I'm pretty sure you mocked him at least a few times, right? I did, yeah. I was yep. big on, on Moore. They were all in the same range. I think he went seven picks before Dwayne, yeah. With that being said, what did what were your initial thoughts of this pick, and do you think he'll get this offense rolling with what he brings to the table? Yeah, I think he's an exciting pick for the Cardinals. Um, what I found really interesting about him was his the first time we talked to him after the draft, um, he just seemed like really, I don't know the right word for it, it not energetic. And he followed Zabin Collins, who was, you know, just energy all over the place um, when he got picked. And at first it was kind of like, okay, is what exactly is this? And then I went back and I'm seeing his celebrations at Purdue or him just like calmly walking over, handing the ball to the ref and continuing about his day. Like he is even keeled to the extreme. Um, I think that's going to 
help him as he kind of figures out this next level. But I think he is someone they want to get involved really quickly, um, both on the offense and special teams as well. And I think um, that's going to be a pick that turns out pretty well for them. Okay. I want to stick with the wide receiver room because another guy that's under the radar, but he's also, he's poking his head up. He's sprouting up. He's showing some skill. It's Christian Kirk. Is this going to be a season where he breaks out, say, 75 catches, 850 yards, and maybe seven touchdowns this season? Do you see that possible within this offense, or am I asking too much because now they got A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins. The ball has to get around. I do love that visual of him, like a little plant just finally breaking through. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I What stands out to me always, and um, I think I've said this before when I've talked to you guys, it's just – his relationship with Kyler Murray. Um, I think that goes so far, you know, having that overlap in college, there were times, particularly Kyler's rookie season, where it almost seemed he would kind of force it to Christian Kirk. And I think that comes from that really deep trust of, here's a guy I know, I know what he can do. And, you know, if stuff's collapsing, I'm going to get it to him. Um, Last year, there was a little less need for that when you've got a Hopkins and, you know, Larry Fitzgerald has been that security blanket for Kyler too. But I think that's something that's always notable about me to Christian Kirk is, you know, he's had some really big games, big moments, hasn't totally hit the level that he and the team want him to get to. But I think just that comfort level with Kyler, that's always going to serve him really well. You mentioned Larry Fitzgerald, so I might as well ask, have you heard anything? Is he coming back? Is he done? What's the latest with Larry? I think what we're seeing is like everyone in real time witnessing an Irish exit. We're like, he's not telling us he's leaving, but all of a sudden like the bar is closed and Larry's been gone for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I get, I think that's something we miss doing during the pandemic. Um, You know, being with a large group and just leaving without saying a thing. Um, I think we'll probably hear from him soon. We haven't yet. The team is very much being like, he's with the sons, um, <laughs> you know, enjoying that. He just golfed with the Manning brothers. Um, I There's so many other things he does that are completely unrelated to football. I do think it's interesting we haven't heard yet, but it seems each day a little less likely that he'll be lining up on the field to play football come this fall, but I've been surprised before. Oh, man, end of an era there. If, yeah, it, if any, I don't really think uh, you can do like a farewell tour in football. It's just kind of weird. Um, there's not like... He deserves it, though. Yeah, like if I was <laughs> to name the players who I think that like... I don't know if maybe Drew Brees, I don't know, after the anthem thing, I'm like, I'm, I'm done with Drew Brees. Hell but no. uh, Larry is definitely a guy like I would stand up and applause uh, after his final catch at like CenturyLink Field. I would, yeah, I give like him his that. flowers, man. He would hate I mean, that, though. And so I think <laughs> that's never been the option for him. Um, if he's coming back, we'll do the same song and dance next year of, is this the last one? And people will tell us, um, which I, I don't think that's his favorite tradition of starting to hear in October about whether or not he'll retire. But yeah, I, if it ends up that he's done, I won't be surprised that he went out without that farewell tour. Um, even, like you said, if people would have been down with it. Ooh, the running back room. It's interesting this year. You guys lose Kenyon Drake, who played pretty well, right? I would mm-hmm. say so. But you guys add James Conner. James Conner from, excuse me, the Steelers. He's definitely a bell horse. He can definitely get it going health-wise. We hope he stays healthy because that's something that I think has hurt him over the past few seasons, injuries, keeping him off the field. Can you talk about that acquisition and what he might bring to this offense in the run game? 
Yeah, I think the run game for the Cardinals is always so interesting to me because, again, some of a large bulk of it can be Kyler Murray at any point. Um, but as far as running backs, having James Conner, bringing him in with Chase Edmonds, who it seems like that's who they're going to have as their primary back. Um, first of all, having that back and forth, um, you know, I think that's can open up stuff for them again if, like you said, Connor's healthy. Um, kind of hard to judge a little bit on that just based off last few seasons, but I think it worked out well for them as far as what they did after, um, you know, Drake's in Vegas now. Um, <laughs> Same city. Drake's in Vegas sounds like an hey, album. Hey, you know, <laughs> low-key, I was like, yo, that's kind of fire. Drake's in Vegas. <laughs> I He's welcome to use it for marketing. I accept those, and, you know, it doesn't have to be too outrageous, but happy to copyright that if it helps. Um, but, yeah, I think with him out and then figuring out how to, you know, bolster the room around Chase Edmonds, I'm really interested in this move, too. Um, from afar, it seems like the Cliff and Kyler experiment is like below expectations. Like, I don't think it's not bad. You know, look at some of their numbers from last year. They were like 19th in offensive DVOA, uh, 14th, I think, in like EPA per play. But it's like, that's fine. Like, I thought like getting Cliff, getting Kyler, you know, adding D Hop, I expected more. I think through six or seven weeks, they were like the number one offense in the league or number two behind Seattle or something like that. Um, so they have the potential. Just why do you think it's not going as well as we kind of all thought it would go? Yeah. And they kind of. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I don't want to say set themselves up for failure, failure, but they went to six and three and were so exciting that everyone was like, it worked. It's great. I'm booking my flight from Arizona to Tampa if I'm a fan here. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, to finish eight and eight after going six and three, it is kind of like, all right, what's happening here? Um, and I, 
they make it hard to break down sometimes in the sense of like, okay, they're so exciting in these moments, but then other times just what are you doing? Um, and, you know, I think there's been some play calling that's a little head scratching from time to time. Um, obviously super late in the year, um, the injuries for Murray, but they are so dynamic, um, just kind of figuring out how to keep that going and sustain it. Um, something really interesting to me looking back at last season is, you know, the Hale Murray was, I would say the most exciting play of the year. Um, yeah, if I think so. Definitely up there. Um, but that kind of kept them from, I want to say, a five-game losing streak. Like, they were one and four over that stretch and just won that game because of a, like, crazy play that is so exciting. They're going to replay that over and over. But how do you now get yourself where you're not in that position that you need that to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's their big thing this year. Um, and, you know, I do think obviously every team was affected last year by having that weird off season, but to have a head coach, a quarterback in their second year going into it with less time on task, probably a bigger difference in teams with more veteran guys in there, um, which is not an excuse, but more now that we're past a rookie season, past a weird pandemic year, what happens in year three? Um, yeah, because they, they are so exciting at times, but then, you know, other times it's like weird screens and you're like, is that, you know, is that the best option with Hopkins, with Murray, with with this team that you have? That's what we're doing here? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I mean, trying to find ways to make sure you don't need fourth quarter magic to uh, win games like, Every season for the Seahawks, to be honest, like that's been like that for three years. I feel I mean, like. No, I have way like they've been Russell's been saving their ass, or you know, in the fourth quarter, like his whole his whole career, career damn near. Yeah, I am talking to the experts here on that. Because <laughs> Pete Carroll would have took that game, even if they were trashed that game. And you have a hell Mary, he'd be like, "Can you win the game in the third quarter?" He was like, "Can you win the game in the fourth quarter?" It's like, well, yes. well, yeah, if we get a fifty-yard hell Mary, coach. So like, maybe we should. We should, kind of, we should, yeah, not not need that. But the play calling thing is interesting because I haven't like done a full on like film study on Arizona or anything. I've just watched. I watched a bunch of their games last year, and obviously two of them um, against Seattle. The play calling does seem a lot more stale than I that I would have have would have imagined. Specifically with D Hop, that like week eleven, I think they uh, the Cardinals lost week eleven up here in Seattle because it was just they were easy to sniff out. I think like two of uh, DeAndre's first two targets were screens that got sniffed out. Um, he was lined up against Trey Flowers for a lot of the night as the X receiver and only had like five catches. And it's like, from what we know about DeAndre Hopkins and what we know about Trey Flowers, with all due respect, DeAndre should have more than five catches for 55 yards. That's just, it's a fact. I know Trey wants to hold him more or fewer, but it's not how it goes. Like, why do you think that particular specific aspect has been lacking when like you have a quarterback like Kyler and you have a guy like Diop who is also a good route runner on top of being like freakishly good at catching the ball? It's a wonderful question that I don't know. Um, I think when you go back and you, you know, look at here's what he ran last game and it looks like spaghetti down in the corner, like all on one side of the field, you know, not really running those deep routes and stuff. That's that's when I tend to ask the same question of just what are we doing here with, you know, Kyler and D Hop? Um, so I I think that's something they need to figure out this year of, you know, how do we get the offense in a rhythm? And I think Cliff does like to get Kyler going with some small pickups early on to, to set that rhythm. But if that's going to prevent you from 
big chunk plays and staying on the field, then it kind of defeats the purpose. So how do the Cardinals get more consistent at those big plays, those deep shots when they've got guys that can do it? Um, Christian Kirk, that's where he's really shined in some of these games last season, particular of like, you know, 80 yard touchdowns, whatnot. Um, do that more. Right? Yep. Yeah. No, do that thing. Run that play where you score. <laughs> do it again. Have the man who's so good at catching a football downfield continue to do that instead of like going straight sideways. Um, yeah. I look at a team like how Buffalo uses Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen. I'm like, that's what I would expect from Arizona with Kyler and, and D hop over a 16, 17 game season. It's just ridiculous numbers because how do you guard both of those dudes consistently with how dynamic they are at all three? Cause even Kyler can take off and run. I just want, I just want more from that. I guess is what I, what I'm saying. Ian. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's led to some incredible Kyler Murray highlights of, you know, 28 yard pickups. Cause he's just making things happen. But what if that simply wasn't the need? Um, yeah. Let, let's let's flip to the defense a little bit. Again, I'm viewing from afar here, but my read on their back-to-back first-round picks with Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons is that the Cardinals are like planning on playing defensiveless football or positionless football on defense, almost like just get big, fast, athletic guys, and we'll figure the rest out. Am I am I reading this wrong here? What I've really liked is all the different weird metaphors they've used for this of like. These are two trees in the middle of the field. These are two <laughs> paths. Um, those were both things we heard in back-to-back press conferences. And I was like, okay, are they like redwoods? Are they, <laughs> are we, these are pretty different things. Trees don't move. So like, <laughs> yeah, like, like I don't guy. want to be no tree in football. Yeah. I was like, that's a, <laughs> it's good if they're just, you know, they throw the football and it bounces off the tree. But other than that, I don't think this is what you want. Um, but I think what's been interesting too, particularly given the back-to-back years of those picks is how the year before with Isaiah, they were so much more like he's versatile and that's great. So he can learn everything. And I think that almost, it was too much. Um, you know, he wasn't as involved in the defense as they wanted him as rookie season. And a lot of that did go back to, having the shortened off season, um, not having that time. But I think also just, you know, instead of being able to excel at one thing, trying to be good at everything and that didn't work. So with Zavin, it was more like, no, we've got a plan. We're sticking to it. If he can do other stuff, that's great. But like, let's focus here. Um, So I think there was kind of a lesson in that year before going completely positionless. Um, But yeah, I, I found it interesting just, you know, two years in a row going that route of, of trees. Yeah. Tree. I'd, I'd rebuke that nickname. I understand I it, but there needs to be more of an explanation. I, you can't just say they're like trees. Cause then everyone's wondering, well, you don't want to be a tree. Cause you don't want to be standing still. Are there legs like trees where, you know, they're just really <laughs> tough and strong, but I, it's I get where they were going. Go ahead. We need follow-up questions and press conferences again. Um, <laughs> I used to work at a gardening store. So like, I know my trees, I can, <laughs> I mean, I guess to use the obvious cliche, like let's get in the weeds here about <laughs> that's probably doing too much. But. No, that's perfect. I, I love it. I love get into the weeds that. of things here. Let's figure this out, shall we? Um, yeah, no, that was. I think the Seahawks have kind of had that problem too. Actually, like because Pete Carroll will talk about versatility, and it's like Pete, you want him to run, jump, spit, spin, <laughs> pour, everything. Have him run. 
just have him run. Let him get really have him. Ma- you know what is it? The uh, jack of all trades, a master of none, or something like that yep. is the phrase. Like that seems like what you mentioned, Isaiah Simmons. That Seattle's had that problem. Uh, to, I imagine all coaches do because you want a guy who can do so much stuff. You know, you look at him do all these things in college because when you're good in college, like they really do have you do everything. What's that kid from uh, Michigan uh, that ended up with the Browns? Uh, Peppers? Yeah. yeah. The, he played like seven positions at Michigan. Safety, yeah. Punt like, return, kick. Yeah. Linebacker. It was coming off sense. the edge. <laughs> I mean, it made sense at the time, but when you get the NFL, it's like just have him just, play linebacker <laughs> or something. Just have him focus on that if he can branch out. Later, Seattle's problem is they've been doing that with offensive linemen. Like, let's have him play tackle, guard, and center and see if he sticks. It's like, well, no, then Russell Wilson will die uh, at at that rate. Uh, Let's let's stay on the defense, though. Um, Man, I don't want this to sound like we're just going to be bagging on PFF for a little bit here, but I do want to talk about Buda Baker, um, who I think that was a little bit ago, um, a week or so, that uh, PFF put out the list of the top safeties and Quandre Diggs of Seattle wasn't even on it. It was top 32. Uh, Buddha was like at like 16. Um, and it puts a window into me framing the question this way. Is the way Buda ba- was is Buda Baker being rated 16 by PFF going to put up like a FU season for Buda this year? Kind of like we got from Aaron Rodgers when he's like this, his FU to the Packers for Jafton Love. And we we're going to get one of those from Buda in 2021. Uh, I would love for Buddha to go on Jeopardy, um, but I don't think he'll follow the exact trajectory of an Aaron Rodgers in that sense. But I do, you know, he already tweeted being angry about it or just kind of like, pardon, what? So, you know, I think he certainly could use it as a motivating factor, but he also doesn't really need that. Um, Something that I find so interesting about Buddha Baker is his personality on game days um, versus, you know, he's just, so laid back, so chill, but then he does kind of get that added layer, but it's still never, um, this is not a bad thing. So I'm trying to find the right way to say it. Like he's still Buddha, even when he's turns that switch on, if that makes sense. Um, But so I, you know, when you look at what he did last season and with a broken thumb for part of it, you know, I remember we were talking to him a few weeks after that injury and he's like, I'm looking forward to this game because I can like bend my thumb all the way now. And that helps tackling when you can use your entire hand. Um, so to have the season he did with that, I even if this PFF adds a little bit to him, I. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. He's already playing at such a high level. Where would you rank Buddha among the top safeties? We're gonna, this is the PF, Fitzgerald PFF here. Okay. Um, there we go. Where, where would you put him? What did they have him at? Like 16? I think it was 16. Yeah. I mean, certainly higher than that. I'd have to look at the list again, but I top 10, obviously, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> like To have, you know, even double digits, I was surprised by that. I want to, yeah, no, that was, I don't think, I'm a, 
dang, this is going to sound bad here. I really don't think, because when you've been to games, when you go to the game versus when, and you've watched them on TV, uh, obviously, too, there's just a different feel for what you can see. Like, you just have a different, like, you see what the quarterback sees. Like, it's really, I think there's two positions that you really get to see whether they suck or whether they're really good when you're there. It's quarterback and safety. Like, yeah. you see, like, Buddha's a little different because he's, like, all over the field. So, like, you don't even have to. You can just follow the ball and Buddha will eventually get there like a, like a missile. Like, but for some for some safeties, like, you got to watch the all uh, 22. So, like, I'm – and that's why I think they kind of missed the mark on that whole list. But I, if we get an FU season from Buddha, like, I am Don't definitely all for it. You know, like him – uh, mentioned that the most exciting play from last year was probably the uh, Hell Murray. Is that, is that the nickname for Hell Murray? Yeah. Like, line, so sticking yeah. with uh, the the only other like close play I would say is Buddha and DK uh, as the what would you have because uh, anything other than those two that that's definitely a, up there as the top that's are we we got to be missing something those uh, are those the best plays from the year fascinating that again the eight and eight Cardinals provided the two most dynamic plays of the season um, but yeah kind of what you were saying too with Buddha I've gone back and watched sometimes and I'm like did I blink because he was. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's here like um I played backyard football a lot growing up and they had those trick plays where like a guy would go underground and show up somewhere else and I (laughs) that um where it's that speed is just you know he's transporting himself he's above science at this point Oh, I like that. Buddha is above science. That's a, that's better than getting called a tree, for sure. That's way better than getting referred to as like his are, his are trees. He's trees, man. They, yeah, they don't move. Yeah. Really? Well, the, the, well, Seattle Seattle's got this unique relationship with Buddha. Obviously, with him being from here, uh, but then like the Seattle fans really want, and then playing for the Huskies. But we don't need to mention that much. Uh, him, you know, being drafted. What right before after Malik McDowell before Malik McDowell in that range for what sure. What pick was Buddha? Um, that was right before I started covering the Cardinals. But I, I I'll look yeah. right here. Let's let's check that out because there's just like this this pain associated with watching him perform against uh the hometown team just because he was like a hometown guy and then like drafted right before or uh let's see oh he was one pick after. Luke okay. McDowell, who never played for the Seahawks ever. Not even a snap. Nope. Didn't even make it to training camp. Never even yeah. put pads on. Broke his face, man. That's... Yeah. No, so he broke his face on an ATV. That is unfortunate. When you, when you could have had Buddha, who breaks other people's face. He broke yeah. an arm, actually. Uh, yeah, he did break CJ? Chris Carson's hip and CJ Process's arm. Just a violent human being. But, hey, you get paid to do that. Uh, I think yeah. play was one of the ones where I was like, he, again, just 15 yards. Yeah. Second. And um, don't forget. He ran track, so you know he got the speed. <laughs> yeah, really good at ping pong too. Just a huh? talented athlete. Yeah, I, so he's the Forrest Gump of the team. He's out there beating everybody. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I think I like the above science more than the Gump. <laughs> well, we might as well just say, well, I, we can leave that leave that in there. I just want this to. I, if Buddha's lurking the internet, looking for how people feel about him, like I am, I think he's nice. I think he's better than sixteen. <laughs> Like I think yes. we can all agree that uh, on this show uh, that's that's where we're at here. Uh, staying in staying in the secondary though, uh, this the if I had to list the needs for Arizona entering the offseason, cornerback would have probably been very high if not number one, depending on how you feel about like, the O line. But I thought was I thought I had some good pieces. I don't understand you have like that as the need, and you bring me back Malcolm Butler. 
Like, I, I feel like I need more if I'm going to, like, fix my cornerback room, no? Yeah, I think it's kind of on the theme before of, like, okay, is this going to work or is this your draft – or, excuse me, you're pulling in someone based off a few years ago. Um, romanticizing the past as a theme here. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I think, too, especially when you look at the draft, and they did eventually trade up um, to snag Marco Wilson. They got – Take Allen, who um, just a really nice story too. But I agree that kind of heading into all of this, it was like, all right, they've got to do something at cornerback, um, especially, you know, solving even with Patrick Peterson the last couple of years between injuries, um, between the suspension, between starting Byron Murphy so early, they were always depth at cornerback has kind of plagued them for a while. So um, I don't think it was, you know, it was on everyone's mind of what are they going to do to address the cornerback room? And they went Malcolm Butler. So um, let's see what he does there. I, I'm just convinced they just don't know what year it is. It's like the reverse plot of the show Futurama where he falls he falls into the thing and he wakes up and it's like 3,000 whatever. I think it's backwards. I think Cliff and, and, and Steve kind of fell asleep and they woke up and it's 2015. And they're like, what do we do to fix our team? Let's get J.J. Watt. Let's get A.J. Green. Uh, let's, what the hell? Malcolm Butler. Let's get Malcolm Butler. What's the center they picked up from the Raiders? Um, oh, he, Rodney he, Hudson. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's get Rodney. Let's get Let's just get all the uh, all these guys who are great. And then they're in there drinking beers at Cliff's nice house, throwing the middle finger on FaceTime to Sean McVay. And Sean's like, guys, it's too, what year do you guys think you know this this is right now? It's very oh, strange. You would think. It was six years. <laughs> yeah, it's just so strange. You would think that this is kind of the strategy you see from a team that's like, uh, like I would expect the Chiefs to fill holes with older guys because like we're, we're trying to win right now. We'll use whatever they got left. To, whoever these old guys are, we'll, you know, we'll leave whatever they got left in the tank. I don't mean to call these guys who are thirty-one old football term. We get yeah, it. Yeah, like you, you get the, you get the gist. It's just so very strange for these guys to. If this is twenty fifteen, I said the Cardinals are going to go seventeen and zero. You know, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do in twenty twenty one. To be fair, I was on the Malcolm Butler train. I thought the Seahawks should take a look at him. Mike was like, "What is wrong with you?" I was like, "Well, he's not. We don't know if he's washed, but at the same time, it, he might be able to have something left." You know, you bring in Quentin Dunbar. He had a lot of drama going on. Injuries plagued him. If Malcolm Butler can stay healthy, it might be a successful move for the Cardinals. Just throwing it out there for you, Catherine. That's all. Yeah. All the 2015 stuff being said, I, <laughs> you know, let's see what he does for sure. I think what's kind of interesting with that is, you know, any of those one at a time, you're like, all right, he's a little older. Let's see what happens. But when you do have multiple at once, it's kind of like, all right, was this the full strategy here. Um, they have talked about trying to do stuff really quickly um, with Kyler on that rookie contract of just like, let's get stuff done right now. But, you know, figuring out were these the moves to make that happen? Um, I don't know. It's a, an interesting team right now for sure. Just when it changed so much over the off season with all these older guys. Let's uh, let's get it. We got to get a Coug question in here. Um, we, we've, we've actually, have we got a Coug question in all of our, well, we started with Matt, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, that, that's okay, a start. So okay. we'll double down here. here yeah, we go. okay, here we go. Um, how's let's talk about our boy Jalen Thompson, um, Wazoo guy, supplemental draft guy, which is rare. I don't even really know how to explain the supplemental draft. Just know he's in the league. Uh, how, what, what what can we expect as proud WSU alums uh, from our boy playing safety next to uh, that guy who went to the school where they wear purple in twenty twenty one? 
uh, I think it's always good to check in on alumni to network this way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember all of kind of his injury trajectory last season. Yeah, think, it wasn't. It wasn't. I think he got hurt here. Uh, honestly. Well, I think that was a re-injury after like the second play of the season or something like that, where it was kind of um, up and down in that sense. But I think. You know, he's definitely picked up a bunch. Um, and especially when you look at the story in that sense of like, yeah, supplemental draft, something everyone here is an absolute expert in and can talk a lot of <laughs> what's he doing now. I think that part of it's really cool. And, you know, just keeping him healthy will be the big thing as far as that next step. One one more thing on uh, before we, we're going to get you a prediction. You're going to have we'll put you on the spot here uh, in a little bit. But this, the, uh, you mentioned I'm trying to get get this thing done while uh, Kyler Murray is still relatively cheap. I mean, first round picks are never really super cheap, but I get the gist. Is there pressure on the organization, on Kyler, on Cliff to get something done? Like, can they afford to miss the playoffs in three straight years with Cliff and with Kyler? Oh, I don't think they can afford to miss the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, I obviously their goals are pretty lofty, but I think, to have reshuffled everything so quickly to make Cliff and Kyler happen. If by year three, you're not in the playoffs, um, I think that's going to be pretty alarming for this team. Um, And I think that's why the hot start last year kind of masked some of that for a bit, where going into the season, it was like, all right, they had five wins the year before, three wins before that, like eight and eight would still be a step up from that. But to then jump to six and three, it was like, all right, they figured it out. And then they hadn't. So I think, you know, for Cliff Kingsbury in particular, year three, um, I do think they will make the playoffs, but I think it's pretty important for him also that they do. Mike did warn you. We're going to put you on the spot here. The NFC West is arguably the best division in football. I think it is. I'm sure Mike agrees that it is. Pat, where do you stand? I would agree, too. Um, and the go. most chaotic, which I love. <laughs> With that being said, I want you to rank from four all the way down to one. Worst to best in this division. This will be <gasps> fun. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I I also dread predictions. And the NFC West is so weird that, like, <laughs> it's hard to distill any of that. But Someone has to be a loser. Yeah. I... <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a huge shakeup from last year. Okay. And I'll go through them in an order in a second, but I might just flip the Rams and Cardinals. So I think I'll go four 49ers, which is really Ooh. nice to say. Okay. Three Rams. Wow. Two Cardinals, one Seahawks. Okay. That's the right answer on this show. I like that because Matt, he actually had the Cardinals four, the yeah. Rams three, the Seahawks two, and then he went with his Niners number one. I like you, Cad. You didn't take your team as number one. You opted. You said, you know what? I see what the Seahawks are doing. I'll show a little love. We appreciate that. I just, again, the (laughs) NFC West, if it was completely different tomorrow, I'd be like, that's fine too. There's, (laughs) (laughs) If you ask me every day until the start of the season, I don't know how often I would say the same thing. But um, I do think the Cardinals are going to be better than last year. But um there's so, you know, there's so many different factors of like all of this needs to work out for any team to stay competitive in this division. Yeah. And well, then having 17, I think, I mean, it's just one more game, but like one more game still feels like a lot when you're talking about like health and depth. 
you yeah. know, like I think that's an under, we're going to learn a lot about that uh, in, in 2021 and like how that changes things, especially I think um, in positions where guys don't come off the field, like corner and yeah. safety and then O-line, like those guys never come off. So it's hard to like really get depth there because you give your first team guys so much, so many reps and life can be hell when you lose them. I think the team, this is such a cop out, but and like my answer will change on the NFC West as we go forward too. But it's very, it's, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the team that stays the healthiest probably wins the division. It doesn't really matter who it is, to be quite honest. Like if you're the team, if your quarterback stays healthy and you're, left tackle stays healthy and your defensive captain stays healthy. You're in good position. You're probably going to win the division. Like I don't I don't I don't know how all four teams get through all of that. Get through 17 games with their quarterback, their defensive captain and their starting left tackle all year. Like I just think was that be a war of attrition? Is that how that phrase works? Yep. I don't know the words. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that's I feel like that can decide this division just as much as which coach is the best, which defense is the best and which offense puts as much points. If you got healthy bodies by week 18, they're good. <laughs> you probably got a shot. You just got to keep rolling and that's good to go. Um and I I will say maybe some of mine is informed on I started covering the Cardinals this season. They were three and 13 and I watched them play the Niners where it was five to three at halftime. So I feel like I have lingering trust issues from that. Um, even though that was obviously an outlier, but yeah, I think we, the only guarantee is it's going to be weird. Um, oh yeah. Which is, you know, comforting in that sense, at least. Five to three. You sure you weren't watching the Giants versus the Diamondbacks? Yeah, I was <laughs> definitely getting baseball. Hell yeah, baseball game broke out today. So, um, you know, at least we had that going for us. I'm going to plug, I usually plug something for every writer if we can, but I just, I just want to plug your Twitter uh, for a second. Cause I mean, it legitimately is one of my favorites. Uh, just uh, what, just taking just rent like idioms and applying them to sports. Quoting Kyler Murray out of context, uh, but in like a fun way, not like a I hate the media way that we uh, we get the bad get the bad rap for. Uh, I want you to plug your Twitter real quick. What's what's your at name so everybody can go follow you? Yeah, it's at kfitz one three four. Um, and I Kyler gives us gems every week in press conferences, so I just like to throw them out there sometimes. Of food is good, something like that. Where it's like, yeah, Kyler, I absolutely agree. Like. He said it. He's right. Like, like what you said about Rondell Moore kind of being like even keeled. And I feel like Kyler is very similar. Just like you can't tell if someone stole Kyler's bike or if he just won the lottery. It's like the same yeah, uh, all, all the time. Like the quote, like making him entertaining in that way with the quotes is like a very like subtle art. I think it's very hard. Some of these quarterbacks are so bland. But if you can spice them up without like, I don't know, editorializing, it's very, that's, that's a gift. You got a gift there. I appreciate it. He, I think he delivers his best content um, when he's playing video games. So like when he's competitive, that's when it really comes out. Um, but, you know, happy to, to chronicle in, it in real time during press conferences too. Well, what you got to do is you got to interview him while he's like on Twitch or something like that. Mm, like playing, fun. Is, he, is he a Warzone guy? Is that his game? I think so. Um just he like actually, everybody. I asked a bunch of guys about it last year, and he is very good at all video games, but I think that's the one he plays the most. We might have to set up a Madden game. What's up, Kyler? You running from the smoke, man? I I'm know, pretty nice, These man. guys don't really play. They're all in the war zone and stuff. No, she said video games. Madden MVP when they did the weird Pro Bowl this year. 
See? Oh, so, was he? Yeah. I did, did you, you watch you watched the Pro Bowl this year? Um, no, but I did <laughs> <had> one. <laughs> Make it very clear. I, I did not, but <laughs> yeah, no. Once they said virtual Pro Bowl, I was like, man, you guys was having a hard time getting my attention when it was in person. <laughs> yeah. You put that thing online, it's like I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go outside and watch the grass grow. Uh, before <laughs> before I watch see if any big trees sprout, huh? I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sean McVay's house and watch the grass grow where it can because he made his backyard so weird. Yes. Oh, I love how it just came full circle like that. That is Cat Fitzgerald, the real Fitzgerald, joining us on the Seahawk Man to Man podcast. Make sure you go check out her work at Arizona Republic. She does great stuff. Make sure you follow her though. Uh, just please, please do. You're you're gonna love it. I swear. You get. I know you get shouted out for your Twitter all the time because it's 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 fun stuff. Um, and it, I know we talked about this uh when we had you on during the season last year. Uh, yep. uh, but if you guys really want some heavy stuff, I I recommend uh her piece on De, uh De, DeAndre Hopkins and Denmark VC. That is probably some of the best journalism I read uh in 2020, especially given the subject matter and the the year that we had in 2020 a very good combination of uh the nfl star power really good uh writing and race it was great great Thank stuff oh, yeah. i show love i try to try to that's why it's good to see you guys when i do this like it's 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 fun we got it we're definitely gonna get you on during the season uh Sounds a because we like having you and b because the athletic doesn't have a cardinals rider so we're kind of <laughs> Kind of uh, going fishing for it, SOL. Uh, there, but thank you guys for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Thank you guys for watching the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, follow Chris on the tweet machine. Make sure you follow our wonderful guest, Catherine Fitzgerald. You guys know where to follow me. Uh, that is the conclusion of our NFC West roundup. Uh, we'll catch you guys the rest of the offseason. On that note, we're out.